0: I'm Josh Swartz. And I'm William Millingworth. Host of the High Tech Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Everybody, how are y'all doing today? Thank you so much for joining us on this beautiful Wednesday. Again, as always, I am thrilled and excited and happy to be here that you guys are joining us. So please make sure as we get started, if you're joining us in the chat, let us know where you're joining from. I'd love to hear where you are all visiting us from. And of course, if you have any comments or any uh, questions, please feel free to put those up. And as always, thankful for all of your support, every single one of you. Thank you so much for making My EdTech Life what it is today. And I am so excited because today I have a very special guest. Uh, You know, I'm a big fan. I guess I I could definitely call myself a hashtag FrightFanboy. Big fan of the work that Fright Technologies uh, has done and is doing and will continue to do. But I am just so excited to have Amy here from Fry Technology. And Amy, how are you doing this evening?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you so much. It's great to see you. Even if we're online, I want to see you in person, but this is pretty good too.
0: Yeah, no, no, no. I'm so excited. And of course, we already have Amy here. Also, Amy, the other Amy. The other Amy.
1: I'm the other Amy now, (laughs) Fallon. You're the other Amy now. (laughs) Yes, I'm the other Amy.
0: All right. So we've got Amy here joining us also. Oh, my goodness. And we've got Bonnie also, dynamic (laughs) duo. Yeah, we are here. (laughs) Thank you so much, guys, for all the love. Amy, again, as always, I'm really excited. Thank you so much for being here. I know that you guys are definitely keeping busy and you are just bringing those knowledge nuggets and dropping those knowledge bombs each and everywhere that you guys go and that you guys go and train because I've seen your trainings. I, you know, I've been to several of them. I know many of you, you know, the, the people here at Fried that do just some amazing work and it's really engaging and very powerful. So thank you for all that you do for our educators and definitely the hard work that goes into producing your, you know, your courses into producing these presentations and just the, you know, the passion that you bring. So I'm really excited to get to talk to you and for our audience members also to just really see what you are all about. I'm sure that many of them have heard the name. Many of them have been at the trainings, but today I'm excited because I get to interview you and then I get to hear not only your personal origin story as you kind of went and navigate through or navigated through education. And now as a business owner, you know, of right technology, getting to know where that came from. And then, of course, the big plans that you may have in the future. And so uh, and also, also we definitely want to focus on. Ed Tech PD because, hey, that's what you do best and amongst them, so many things. But yeah, for sure. All right. So Amy, again, for our audience members, if there are any out there that may not be familiar with your work, can you please just give us a brief introduction and your context and education, and then we'll hop right in into that amazing origin story?
1: Yeah, sure. I would love to. Thank you so much for that great introduction. That's awesome. Uh, So we do ed tech professional development and we do K-12. We'd love to work with somebody at a university. If there's ever a university that is innovative enough to do education technology PD, we would love to be there for them too, but we work in the K-12 sector and that's my background also. So all of the years of my professional career have been in K-12 education. And we try to make everything we do fun and engaging for teachers. And we just, we want to be that class that people don't want to leave, not the one that they're, you know, treading going to. So we try to make everything we do something that we would want to attend ourselves and that we would get something out of. And, uh, and that's how we make the great stuff that we do. We, we all put our eyes on it. We work together. We, we just make sure that it's the very best that it could be.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you so much. And hey, again, a big, 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 again, I want to emphasize that if there are definitely any universities that are out there, I definitely recommend this team to come in and to really just blow your minds with all the ed tech tools and just the possibilities and amplification of creativity, but enhancing those learning experiences. I promise you, you will not regret it. All right, so Amy, let's go ahead and get started here. As you know, my big thing is uh, the guests that I bring on are guests that I follow, guests that I have seen in person, and you know, guests that are doing such great things that even I have the honor of having you here on the show and then just getting to know your origin story. And for today, if you can go ahead and just share that with us, I want to know where you know how you fell into education, or was it was education the path that you? already had planned or again was it a pivot point and then you know it
1: just kind of blossomed from there yeah i I never intended to be in education yeah <laughs> I, I mean i kind of wonder now how many people say that um yeah that was it was never my intention never you know i just and then i was so bad at it when i started i was like i, I gotta get out of this asap and i really thought that i would teach like one or two years and then leave because you know I wasn't very good at it and I I just I felt like I couldn't figure it out for a little while but then once I did figure it out then I of course never wanted to stop doing it because I felt like this is so great and figuring it out for me was using technology so I started out teaching at the university level I was a grad student and I taught at Sam Houston State University and I taught at Lone Star College and you know teaching, teaching as a grad student and teaching college freshmen will make you think you're way better at teaching than you actually are. If you haven't ever taught in K-12, you know, you might think you're good when you're actually not. So sorry to, I might be bursting someone's bubble, but I had no idea what I was doing. It's a completely different job and I'm not even, it shouldn't even be called the same profession. So when I needed to get, you know, like a real job, when grad school was over, I went and taught in Galena Park ISD, and uh, I had one one class that made me feel like a good teacher, and that was my gifted students, you know, because they love to read and write, and, you know, I love to read and write, and I was an English teacher, and so that was pretty easy, and I I was feeling pretty good at it, but then all the rest of the classes all day long, I did not feel great at it. but my second year and into my third year, I started to kind of figure it out. And, and I started figuring out that one thing that was happening was kids came into my English classroom. And I, I t- remember telling my husband, who's also an educator, I said, it's like they're bringing in this bunch of heavy bags with them every day. And I can't see the heavy bags, but they're carrying them just the same. And I started asking my kids, um, I, I started to do it at the beginning of the school year, every year. Tell me your best or worst experience in English of your life, and most of my kids in on-level classes would tell me a really horrible, soul-crushing story about English class. Um, that it was things that maybe their second-grade teacher said to them about their writing, or just these these deep, deep feelings that they had about their educational experiences in my subject area that I really loved so much, and and was always passionate about. And I thought, no wonder you're not happy coming in here. No wonder you don't want to do this. You have these terrible, you know, suitcases full of negative energy. Right. Exactly, Bonnie. I'm glad you know what I'm talking about. And that makes sense. And I started telling my kids, this is not going to be regular English class. This is going to be fried English class. And they would chuckle a little bit, you know, and I'd say, you know how when you go to the fair, everything is fried and like you never ate whatever it is fried before, but then you eat it fried and you're like, oh, I don't want to ever eat this regular again because when it's fried, it's good. And I don't r- regularly like this. Like you can fry anything and make it really good, you know. So I started telling my kids this is fried English and it's not going to be like that. So, you know, leave your suitcases outside the door of all that negativity. We're going to have a good time and it's going to be good. You're going to be good at this. and. I started a blog called Fried English, and uh, I started, you know, writing about what I was doing in my classroom with technology. And later on, after I journeyed to the service center, I worked at Region 4 in Houston for a little while, and then I I really felt like I, I need to be inside a school district. That wasn't really my thing. You know, I didn't feel like I was a part of something. And I went back to a school district in the technology department, and I thought, I want to stop, you know, I want to keep this blogging. I don't want to stop doing that. I want to keep writing about what I'm doing. And I thought, what am I going to call this blog now? I can't really call it English. I work in the technology department now, you know, and so I called it fried technology. And, uh, I, I told this story recently on our fried tech blog. Uh, one of my friends, Pam Cadwalder, who just recently passed away. She Year, I mean, it was years after I had made that name. She said, that's so cool how EdTech's in the middle of fried technology. And she looked at my face and she said, you didn't know that before now? And I'm like, no, no, I, I never knew that before now. I never noticed that in my life before now. So it turned out to be a perfect name. And by the time, you know, I started doing this and like selling my time after work to school districts and going into school districts and helping them with their EdTech stuff, um, the name had kind of stuck and people were calling me that, you know, like I remember being in the the bathroom at TCEA and EdTech Sandy K came up to me and said, Fried Technology, is that you? And I'm like, EdTech Sandy K, is that you? You know, and so the, the name was stuck by then. And so it became Fried Technology. And now it's a name we all have to explain all the time because it maybe doesn't make sense to people. But anyway, there you go. Um, there's no going back from it now. We're Fried Tech.
0: <laughs> awesome. I love it. That's wonderful. Now, Amy, let's talk back, you know, back up a little bit and, you know, your experience in the classroom and just for maybe there's still maybe some teachers out there right, that are still a little hesitant or a little, you know, just with the tech, And, you know, we understand that, you know it's not going to always be easy. And like I always say, you know, sometimes tech happens, but we don't want you to get discouraged. (laughs) Don't get discouraged. And I always tell them, Hey, get clicky with it. You're not going to break anything, but how did the use of technology, you know, and especially here in this course where you had those students that brought in, like you said, those suitcases Mm -hmm. of bad memories and just that extra baggage from back in the past. And then now you're implementing some technology, You know, can you tell us a little bit about at least those changes that you saw in those students? Was there a change? Was it something noticeable?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this was this was a long time ago in a land far away. So my oldest child now is uh, about to turn 26 and she was three when I started using technology in my classroom and after I, I got one grant from a local organization, and then I got a grant from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And I actually had, like at least my smallest class of the day, I had one-to-one computers, which no one had in that era. So I on one hand, I was able to do so much that other teachers couldn't do because they just didn't have devices at the time. I mean, the the computer, you know, the monitors were like this big and this deep, and the the boxes underneath them were this huge box and it was like 95 degrees in my classroom because all these computers were on. But, but I saw that even kids who, you know, I couldn't get them to do anything and they just didn't, they didn't want to work. They didn't care about English. They, a lot of, a lot of kids didn't care about school at all. I mean, I worked in a really, really impoverished community. Most of my kids came, came from poverty and they just didn't see how that was going to help them with their lives. Their parents didn't know how to how to do some of the things we were doing and they didn't want to read Shakespeare and all that. And when I started integrating technology and having students create things, that was the real combination. It wasn't just, it's not sitting in front of a computer that won't change your classroom. It's students creating, using that technology. That is, that is the magical thing. And when I started Having student creating assignments that would have students creating things in order to learn, creating in order to learn, was the really magical thing that happened. And so, anytime, you know, we're making stuff here, that's fun. Like we love to make stuff. We love making all those presentations. It's way more important what our students and our learners are making. You know, we we certainly want to make something inspirational for them, but their learning happens when they create. And I really felt like once I realized that. I did a presentation at TCEA this year called The Learning Thief, and I really felt like the time that I taught before I realized this, I was literally stealing the learning from my students. I was I was doing all of the stuff that they should have been doing. I was making all the stuff that they should have been making. And when that came together for me, and literally no one ever told me that. I never saw that in any course I took. I never read it in a book. I, I didn't know that, or I, I would have been doing that all along, but no one told me that, that kids should be making things in order to learn. And when I put it together, it was really, it really was magical. And when they did that with technology, making a poster is great. I mean, making anything is, is great and useful for learning. But when they did it with technology is when the light bulbs really came on for kids. And, and that's what transformed my classroom, my life as a teacher.
0: Oh, I love that. Then that really resonates with my experience in a very similar way. And, um, you know, going into the classroom and, and the cow that we had, the computer on wheels was yes. like something huge at the time. And I, I think I'm talking about maybe 2013, 14, around there. And, you know, nobody checked it out. It was just they collecting dust. And I was like, right. oh, let's bring it out and just put it in the students' hands and just to see what they're able to create. And it's just something so magical. Like you said, it, it really is when we understand, and again, because I don't know, I just always say I see things a little bit different coming in from the business background and coming in. It's for me, it's all about customer service, personalized learning, getting to know my students, and then leveraging their superpowers and what they feel comfortable, uh, you know, presenting or in their learning style and still making it relevant to the class. They're still learning the same thing, but if they're creative, Like you said, that experience, really, you're enhancing the learning. But one thing that I've always said that a previous guest, Dr. Masina Morris said is when you're able to create a learning experience for them, the experience is something that becomes part of them and they take with them. And it's not just, oh, I memorized the presidents and now I can go on to the next grade. And then after that, I forgot some presidents. But that learning experience really helps them, even if it's something cross-curricular, And now you add that tech component and it's something magical that occurs if we're able to allow our students to, to leverage that. Now, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on this because as you know, you know, our, our state testing is moving to computers and, and, and although we do have those devices in our classrooms, all of a sudden, you know, when you allow students to create, it's wonderful, but I know that you're the enemy of standardization, but what I'm slowly seeing is that now these tools for creativity are becoming very standardized because everybody wants to create something just like the darn test and make it look just like the test. And you're just putting the kids through the same thing over again. That we had standardized worksheets now basically saying, like, here's your standardized Chromebook with this standardized platform so you can prepare for the standardized test. Oh. What, what are some of your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I, I want to ask anybody whose mind is in that place. Yeah, what a great point, Bonnie. I, I want to ask them what kind of car they learned to drive in. I want talk to talk to them about that. What did you learn to drive in? and how much is that like the car that you have today did you did you go and get in a rental car and go well the gear shift isn't isn't down here i can't i can't put it in drive so let me go back into enterprise and see if i can get a different car cuz i'm used to mine being up here i mean that's what learning is about it's about transference and i agree kids need to be using the devices you don't want to put a device in front of a child for the first time on test day I agree that if there are accommodations, that they need those accommodations on a daily basis. That's that's truly the point of those things is that they help us learn and take in information and we need them. But to think that a child has to be doing something that looks like a standardized test in order to know how to answer a question on a standardized test is is ridiculous. And really, it's counter to the whole idea of education. So don't, please don't strip all the creativity away from a child because you think they need to practice that exact same thing. It, it literally defeats the purpose of the exercise of learning. It's not a way that we learn. So separating assessment, which is the testing of what we are supposed to have learned from a learning experience. I love that term and that word. We use that at Fried Tech all the time. That's the important thing. Yeah. I, I don't want kids sitting down either to take a standardized test that they've never seen it and they've never seen anything like it before. But to think that that's what the learning experience needs to be like, that does not make sense to me. So I want to ask them about the car. What did they learn to drive and where they lost the first time they went to Enterprise and rented a car? Because I think the answer is no. I look around and I figure it out and kids can do that too. I mean, that's... That's a skill. And that's the skill that we should be learning. Look around and figure it out. And to think kids can't do that really just gives kids not the credit that they deserve.
0: I agree with you. I think we we are very, we underestimate the ability that our students have because I've seen them do some amazing things, but because there's so much pressure, you know, oh yes, you know, we've got coming back from COVID and now state testing is done. And then now, the next thing is, okay, everybody, let's look for that unicorn platform that has all the dropdown <laughs> menus and has all the drop-down menus, the inline text, the hot text, and has everything that looks like the standardized test, because this oh, is no. what we want the learning to look like. And that's exactly what everybody's on the hunt for, rather than, like you said, you know, taking that, creating learning experiences where you're creating those skills and that transference where. I, I think we underestimate that our students can figure out a drop-down menu. Right. And and teachers are kind of, they freak out a little bit because right. it's like, oh, no, the, there's drop-down menus, there's this, there's that, and then they can't do it. We're going to have to, you know, buy platforms and do this so they can get that same feel for the test. I was like, man, you're just crushing those kids and you're just preparing them for A, B, C, D, E, but not all students are A, B, C, D, E students. Well, there's
1: just, there's nothing motivational about that. And that, that strips away anything fried from the learning, learning experience. And you, you know, we, we work with different partners all the time. We are, we are Microsoft's global partner now. I don't know if, if you knew that, but we, we work with all different kinds of partners and what we do when they send us content and they say, this is what we want you to present, we tell them, okay, but we have to fry, fry it up. So we'll fry it up. So teachers fry, fry up that learning, like figure out what, what skills, what academic skills kids really need to learn and then get them doing something that if they were able to do it you would know that they had learned it that's that's the way we do that and then you give them the assessment and if they can't figure out where the drop down menu is during the assessment then you can walk over and say here's the button because i'm not testing your skill to use a drop down menu that's not what my test is supposed to be about so yeah right amy that's yeah amy and i have talked about this a lot and and i did too you know i I guess I forgot what it was like to be a kid and between the time I was a kid and when I was teaching kids and at first I just wasn't giving kids the credit that they deserved. And when I took my hands off the wheel, that was another part of that magic happening. Um, I, I, have told this story a lot of times that one of the best days of my life as a teacher, I wasn't at school. And what I mean by that is that, um, I was teaching high school English and, uh, I, you know, put my absence or whatever into the sub finder. My daughter had an ear infection, I think, and uh, I wasn't at school. And the next day I was back at school and I asked the kids first period, how was your sub yesterday? You know, they would always complain to me, Miss Mayor, that sub wouldn't let us get anything done. You know, she talked to us the whole time or whatever. I'm like, did your sub follow my directions? And they were like, I don't, I don't, I don't think we had a sub yesterday. Does anybody remember a sub yesterday? And they were like, no. We didn't, we didn't have a sub yesterday. I said, well, how did you get in the room? And they said, well, we went over to Mr. Shuttlesworth's classroom. He was across the hall and we called Miss Alice down at the front front desk. And we asked her to send Mr. Kinney up here and unlock the door. And Mr. Kinney came and unlocked the door okay. All right. So I thought maybe nobody showed up first period. These are really good kids. Okay. You know, we'll wait and see what happens. Second period. So I had the similar conversation, second period, third period, fourth period. And all day long, there was no sub in my classroom. And every period, my kids were like, yeah, yeah, Miss Mayor, I, I don't think there was anybody here yesterday, but look what we did on our project we're working on. Look what we completed. Look what we learned. And I'm like, there was nobody here. And you guys didn't think to like, call the office and say, hey, there's no adult in this room. And they were like, no, why would we do that? We're fine. And I just thought, first of all, hope I don't get fired because this seems bad. You know, like now I see that is not my fault. I, I did my part. You know, I called the sub finder and put the absence in. But I also see it as one of the best days of my career as a teacher because my kids were that self-sufficient that they literally did a day of learning without me. And didn't have a single thing to say about it except for look what we accomplished yesterday.
0: That is awesome. That is such a great great day. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, definitely. That is a great story. And like, again, just going back to often un- un- underestimating our students. And again, I also love what Amy said here in the comments. Also, it, I think it was great. You know, I said, I finally recognized that I had to step back to let them step forward. And, you know, some that's some great advice. That is some sound advice. It is. And I especially, you know, right now, it's been very stressful. It's been a very stressful because there's so much that is put on teachers. And of course, you know, that that stress students pick up on that and and they feed off of that. And then, you know, students, it's difficult. But if you step back and then you allow them to create, sometimes it's like, wow, like, man, that weight is lifted a little bit. You're working together. You're building that community. And then you see something like this, you know, in that story, like where everybody was learning and they're like, hey, look at what we were able to do. And that's something that's great. So that's right. Yeah. All right. So now let's talk a little bit, uh, as far as fry technology now. So you told us a little bit, I know we kind of went on a little segue there on the, the Chromebooks and standardization and so on, but I want to know, okay, the, the vision for fry tech, you know, so now you have the name, you have the blog, and now all of a sudden you said you were, you know, training a lot of districts, you did some work with uh, region was region six. I believe that you
1: said I worked at six and at four
0: six and four. And now it's like, okay, maybe there's something here. Maybe there's something here. I'm putting myself out there. So tell us a little bit about that journey now into becoming, you know, a small business owner now and that with a business that's continuing to grow, offering some amazing EdTech PD.
1: Okay, great. well, I, this is my favorite topic of all. I love to talk about this. so um, So I was working in Conroe ISD, which is I was uh, doing instructional technology for the district. and Alicia, who I don't know if she's still here, but she was here a few minutes ago, we were, we were doing it together. and we were really like, we used to joke we're, we're not on the cutting edge, We're on the bleeding edge around here because things were hard sometimes. And, um, and then my, my former boss, before she retired and I took her position, Jan Robin, and we were asked to implement these devices. And you made me think about it when you said cow earlier. So, you know, everybody, hopefully, I guess if you're, you may have to be like a real grown-up in ed tech to know what a cow is. So it was the computer on wheels, you know, like the cart of computers that you could push around once laptops came out. And we had these computers in our district and they, they weren't real computers, they were thin clients. Basically, they're, they were kind of like what a Chromebook is now before Chromebooks existed. And we had these in our school district and we knew that if we just send these devices out there, people are gonna open this up. They're gonna look for Microsoft Office. It's not gonna be there. They're gonna say, these computers are terrible. We hate these, you know, and they're gonna send them back. And so we knew we really had to sell the idea of this computer that was basically just the internet because people people didn't think of the internet then like they do now. Like the internet was a place where you went to look something up and then you, you know, went away and did something else. It wasn't a place where you created things at the time, but this was when Web 2.0 came out. And so what we did is we named these carts and we came up with a design. We had a marketing strategy and we called them wow carts instead of cows. And we had a wow Academy and we started asking teachers to apply, to be a part of our professional development. And yes, Courtney Rogers, who I want to call her Courtney Rogers every time I see that. Courtney Watson um, now works with us at Fried Technology. And yes, she was one of the first WOW teachers in the school district. And we thought, okay, let's think about all the reasons why teachers don't want to go to PD. Well, one reason why teachers don't want to go is the perception is it's mandatory. I have to. And that's a bad feeling. Like, I don't want to do stuff I have to do. I automatically don't want to do it. So let's ask people to apply to be a part of this instead of pushing it out there and saying, you have to do this, we're going to change the script a little bit. So if you apply to be a part of this, we're not going to tell you what awesome stuff you're going to get, but we're going to kind of let the word out a little bit that you're going to get like rewarded very well for this. So teachers who signed up for WOW Academy, they didn't know it at the time. Courtney didn't know it, but she got a laptop, which was a really big deal then Um, she got access to this cart to use in her classroom and The first year, I mean, I think we filled all the seats, but it wasn't like people weren't beating down the door. The next year, the next year, the next year, we had to go home like there were cheerleader tryouts. Like on Friday afternoon, we had to release, these are the teachers that are coming to WOW Academy. And then we're leaving the building now. Because... I'm not kidding. People were literally calling up crying because they didn't get in. And they didn't get in not because like we didn't like them or think they were great teachers because there were already too many from their campus. We were really trying to be equitable in, you know, if your campus had X number of teachers, then you got X number of spots on your campus. And if there were already five wow teachers on your campus, you were probably not going to get in because they're just you already had enough people on your campus. We're trying to hit a campus where there isn't anyone. And when we started doing that, it was like PD became really popular and people really wanted to be a part of it. And it was a creative experience where people were making stuff and they just, people got really crazy about it, wild about it. And I thought, why isn't everybody doing PD like this? Like, this is fun. I want to be a part of it. And I want to go to it. Not only do I want to teach it, I want to go to it. And so, hey, Garland, we love you guys. So... That's kind of what got me going out into other districts and saying, let's change this up a little bit and make this more intriguing to people and make it something people want to do. And that's what got me interested in doing professional development and what really started the idea of what has become fried technology. And I don't even know if I answered your question, but maybe.
0: No. Well, okay. So now, yeah. So that's the idea of fried technology. So now you created this buzz. You made PD fun, relevant. You made it hands-on. And you're absolutely right. You know, what happens with teachers is you say, well, this is what you need to do. And sometimes it's PD that how is, how am I going to apply this? Like, this isn't relative, you know, to me at all whatsoever. And then it just becomes like, I'm here. And. Yeah. Disengagement. And so, yeah, but here, I mean, look at all the excitement that you were building up and that's wonderful because again, that goes back to that community piece where everybody sees the value and at first it's just, you know, Hey, you start hearing about it. Then of course, after the first cohort and then the next one, you're signing up and now you have that, uh, the idea of fried technology, but now how did you take it to that next level now to where you're what, you know, how you're currently serving the education community.
1: That was really scary. So I had to quit my real job, you know, and that was that was a really scary thing to do. So um, I started and I started doing this full time only in 2016. So I've been doing it for 11 years, but. Uh, total, but I didn't do it. I never worked on it full time until 2016. But I I had this superintendent, Howell Wright, and I posted this on social media even before he told me something one time. And I I don't think, he didn't tell me thinking that I was going to like leave the school district and go work on fried technology full time. But he said, Amy, whatever you work on will grow. That's what he said. And I have thought about that probably more than any other single sentence anybody's said to me in my life. And I thought, if I work on this, it's going to grow. And uh, I don't know if you, any of you guys saw Brooks' post this week. Um, n- next week is actually, we're both traveling, so we did it this week. But next week is her five-year anniversary at Fried Technology. And so if you count back five years, that's 2017. And uh, so I had been working on Fried Technology full-time for about six months when I hired Brooke full-time. And after that, you know, it really started to grow. Brooke is so talented and she's got such an entrepreneurial spirit and she really took a risk, you know, working with me. And I think all I could tell her at the time when she started was, I know I can pay you for three months. (laughs) And I know that this, I know we've got money for the next three months. Are you willing to take the risk? And she did. And now we've got um, 18 people full-time who work at Fried Technology. And it's just, I think that when you, when you come at something with the right attitude about it, and that, that feeling or whatever is infectious and people want to be a part of that. And I can't tell y'all who yet, but we just snagged another amazing ed tech person um, I'm so excited for it to be announced, but I don't know if she's announced it yet. But uh, we have another EdTech star coming to Fried Technology, whose name I think everybody who's going to watch this is going to know. Um, and it's just it's such an honor to me now that people like Amy and Courtney and Alicia, who are here tonight, Elizabeth, who was here for a minute, that they want to work with me every day is is the biggest honor of my life.
0: That's wonderful. You know, and that's such a great story, you know, and seeing that vision that you had out of something that you were, you know, new to, and then now all of a sudden you started growing and implementing that technology. Then you started introducing it. You had experience from all different sides, all different angles, like you said, region service center, classroom, and then uh, training uh, people. And then, so obviously, you know, you're definitely bringing the ed tech heat and then, so people are noticing that. And then now you're going on your own. And like you said, you you do have an everybody there. You know, I, I remember my first fried tech training. I actually, it was, a, I think it was either the first summer that I had just, you know, gotten into this position. And I drove all the way to Corpus and Brooke was doing the training. You were there in that I Corpus training? I was there in that Corpus training. Oh, my God. You know, and it was at, at a, I don't know if it was like a, was it a Catholic uh, school? I think Probably. Or something like that. Yes. Probably there in Corpus. And I was there and got to hang out with Brooke. And I was just like blown away because she just brought so much energy. And she had, at the time, it was so cute because at the time she had just gotten a new laser pointer um, and uh, <laughs> control for her slides and everything. And she was sharing it with everybody, and it was just awesome. But, but I mean, but, but I'm talking, it's it's a testament to her just being so energetic, so bright, so amazing and engaging. And then when we go see uh, Fried, uh, you know, tech at TCEA, and you guys have that whole room to yourselves, and training after training is just packed and it's closed, and you know, you have to shut the doors, and not everybody can fit. It's because you guys are doing something great. It's something that is infectious. It's the you're bringing the learning, you're bringing the community, and you're just bringing just an overall awesome vibe. And it's just great. And I'm very, you know, grateful for the work that you are doing and the team is doing because it's definitely something that we need as educators to have people, trainers like you that have that passion to really share and really make people feel. Comfortable no matter at what skill set level you come in everybody's going to leave there feeling like a pro. And that's what I love about your training. So
1: Thank you so much. That's the nicest compliment ever. Yeah,
0: so that's wonderful. So I'm really excited. You know, like I said, I got to see you all at TCA um, this year. And and it's usually every year I get to see you all. And I'm really excited. And so, I mean, I'm just so thankful for you to, to be here on the show and just share your story. And hopefully, like I said, it'll definitely... Uh, inspire teachers uh, with the little talk that we had with tech in the classroom, but also inspire uh, and many other people to come and check you guys out. I mean, all the information will be on the show notes as well. And so I'm really excited. Now, t- talk to me a little bit more because you did mention it here in the in the show that you just recently became a partner with Microsoft. So tell us a little bit about that, and maybe what's coming down the pipeline as far as training that Fry Tech will be offering.
1: Oh, that's that's so exciting! So I want to tell you about an event we have coming up, and I actually, if it's okay to share my screen,
0: yes, of course,
1: we have a um, I have a little thing pulled up for you to see. Um, so we are going to be leading a Microsoft Summit in Dallas this summer, and I'm really excited to see where this can go. Uh, we're going to do, you know, we're going to do a summit event and put a fried spin on it. We are going to do our our most beloved learning strategies that we, you know, have been training and developing all these years with Google, but using Microsoft tools, which have come a long way in the last 10 years. I, I don't know if we could have done this 10 years ago, but their tools are truly amazing now. I mean, I think if you're, if you've always been a Google fan and you haven't used Microsoft tools in a while, you're gonna be like me, like I'm jaw dropping every, every week when the learning guides show me something new or Steven Stone, our Microsoft leader, in the organization shows, shows me something that Microsoft can do now. So I'm really excited about this, about this opportunity with them. And we're really hoping that if this event is successful, we can do this all over the country. That's the goal.
0: That is wonderful. That is amazing. So again, guys, if you didn't see it the first time, or for those of you that are going to be listening to this, it'll be July 19th. Dallas, Texas, 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. And you can also find more info. Probably it'll be on the Tech website as well. And we'll definitely put this info up on the show notes uh, if Amy will allow us to do that. Yeah, please. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes and then that way you can get that info because we still got a couple of days to that event. That way you can plan accordingly. And that just really excites me, Amy, because like, you know, it goes back to the words that your soup said, you know, anything you do will grow. And you know, for me, that's really inspiring. And and maybe it was really something that I needed to hear today because, you know, hearing your story too and, and seeing what you've gone through and the work that you've put in. And even like, you you know, in the warm-up chat, you know, say, like, telling your husband like, hey, this is going to pay off someday. <laughs> and look at where you're at now, you know, doing Google and now partnering up with Microsoft. And I'm just really excited after, after these two who else is going to jump on and just to see the growth and knowing that it's going to be high quality, energetic, engaging PD that you guys will be bringing to the masses and I'm just really excited about what's coming for Friday Technology. Uh, thank
1: you so much. I appreciate yes, definitely.
0: That. All right, well, let's go ahead and we've kind of hit that part of the show where we're going to kind of start wrapping up and of course we've got my favorite three questions that I love to ask all my guests. So. Amy, question number one for you as we wrap up the show would be, in the current state of education, currently, what would you say is your edu-cryptonite?
1: kryptonite? is the twatty. And I don't know if you know the twatty. Do you know the twatty?
0: Mm-hmm. I'm going to show you. I brought a picture okay. just right. in
1: case you didn't know the the twatty. There he is right there. And that's him. And it's this statement because that's the way we've always done it. Yeah, I know it's just the worst and that's what he looks like. Now, you know, it's worse than a bed bug. It's just awful. So that's the way we've always done it. The twatty is my edtech kryptonite. We can't change because that's the way we've always done it. So try to think outside the box. Just because you've always done it that way doesn't mean that it's working well or is the best way or is the most motivational way. Think about human beings and how they work and how they tick and how to keep them motivated because it will change everything if you try to look at it from a human nature perspective versus a historical perspective.
0: Ooh, that is very powerful, Amy, because those definitely are the most dangerous <laughs> words, I would say. Right. Definitely, you know, <laughs> definitely and, dangerous. And and you hear that often and it just becomes very scary. And And again, it's just sometimes we just need to see things from a different lens. But when you are just going 150 miles an hour and you're just looking straight ahead just to make sure you don't crash and burn. It's obviously, it's very hard to kind of look around and, and right. see things, but, <laughs> That's a <good> but <laughs> sometimes you do need to slow down because the way we've done things, that doesn't work anymore. It might have worked at a given point in time, but you can't be like, one thing that I always said is like right now, currently We're trying to solve 2022 problems with 2017, 2016 strategies, and that's just not going to work. You know, you need to see and open your eyes to what's currently happening and how we can be more proactive instead of being reactive. And so, yeah, I really like that answer. All right. Next question. Question number two. If you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why?
1: This one was so hard for me. I really have been thinking about it for several days. And I decided I would use that billboard to educate people about what instructional technology is because most people just, they don't know what the term means. And this is what it means in billboard format. Instructional technology is using technology to learn instead of learning to use technology.
0: Can you repeat that one more time? Because yeah. That was fire. <laughs>
1: instructional technology is using technology to learn instead of learning to use technology.
0: That is great. That is powerful. That is that that definitely needs to not just be on a billboard. That needs to be on marquees all over right. the nation, all over the country and yes, it's definitely something that is wonderful. So thank I'm you so for glad sharing you that. that. I agree. Yes, that <laughs> is very powerful. All right, here we go. Last question. If this was the Fried Tech podcast, would would it be the Fried Tech Podcast or would it just be the Fried Podcast?
1: I don't know. I, this is I, a good question. Well, We're going to yeah. have to think through. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah.
0: But if this was the Fried Tech Podcast and you are the host and I am your your guest, what would be one question you'd like to ask me?
1: I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget. Ooh. <laughs> what is it about AR and VR that inspires you, and do you think that those tools will ever be a part of learning in schools on a daily basis?
0: Yes. Okay. So the part of AR and VR that inspires me is very similar to what we were just currently talking, you know, with a Chromebook, with a phone, with, you know, just a device that allows for creativity. For myself, it's just really taking the same concept there, because really it's just you're using a piece of technology to create, but it's to enhance that learning experience. Now, for myself, being a a learner, also that, you know, I, I can stare at a screen and I can work well there, but sometimes, you know, I just need something that's a little bit more tactile, maybe something where I can move kinesthetically and so on. So just the ability to have that option for students, because I've had those types of students in my class where it's very hard for them to sit still, but yet, okay, you know, you can stand up and I don't mind that. But. If we have an option for that, too, as well, and you just immerse yourself in the learning, but you're still creating that learning experience, they're still meeting the rubrics, but they're the ones that are creating. I mean, now you're doing 3D models, you're, you know, really immersing yourself in the learning. I think that that can take this to that learning experience to another level. So for me, that's the exciting component of it, that it's something that is new but something that can be very useful to continue the learning process and enhance the learning where it's still cross-curricular. But most importantly, also for me is in the long run, the future of learning, the future of work, we definitely need to prepare our students for that and also our teachers. You know, I think this could be something that can be useful where we talk about removing some of that weight from our teacher's shoulders. And creating immersive experiences where maybe the whole class is in there and the teacher doesn't have to worry about prepping a lab physically. You're there in the lab and you're doing everything that you're doing in the lab. Kids are walking around. You can see that they're interacting with one another, building that community. You're adding that additional digital citizenship component because you also need to learn how to behave within that environment as well, making those connections. So for me, that's what it it excites me. And for me, I I definitely see this being part of education on a day to day, probably not within one year or two, but hopefully within year three, it starts getting a lot more uh, and more available. Obviously, there's cost involved tech departments don't like that. Oh man, well, the Oculus, you know, you have to have a Facebook account and you have to do this or do that. It's not, it's not made for schools yet. Exactly. It's not made for schools yet. So we're still waiting for that company right now. I think everybody's focused really on industry, which is great. Uh, you're, You're focusing a lot on higher ed and that's where I've seen where higher ed has definitely jumped into the next level with immersive learning. Like you've got uh, Victory XR, Stephen Grubbs, uh, Morehouse College, you know, that are definitely uh, using this technology and leveraging it and cr- having the students create their learning. And they're doing it in a cross-curricular way where you've got the ELA department coming into the science class to lecture and vice versa. And you're making those connections where what I love about that is you are no longer siloed. and yeah. Be you know here in school it's like well you've got the math teacher you've got the right never the the two shall meet and never the two shall meet exactly and now you can go ahead and say hey you know what let me hop into your ELA class and oh you're doing a passage on science hey well let's go ahead and let me show you what this looks like and you're you know doing cross-curricular learning and that to me is just something amazing and fascinating so I'm definitely excited about that that's really where my passion is but I know it's a long answer, but th- this right now is what my current passion is. Also, I recently did a presentation here at one of our technology conferences. And when I present ARVR, I, I tell the teachers, I'm not going to show you something that you're going to just turn around and do something in your class. Really what I show them is the way that they themselves can use the tools to spark their own creativity. I, I want to work on the teachers first. Get them comfortable, get them curious again, get them playing again and and remember what curiosity could do because in the end that can also translate into the classroom. So it
1: absolutely does.
0: Yeah. So that's what I love right now. And that's why I'm so passionate about it. Well, I'm really glad I
1: asked you that. I'm super (laughs) proud of my question. (laughs) Yes, that was a
0: wonderful, (laughs) wonderful question. So I'm really excited. Well, Amy, it's been a pleasure. It's been an honor. Thank you so much for just being here on the show. Thank you so much for just being real, genuine and authentic. And I am just so excited for what you guys are currently doing, what you will be doing. And again, seeing you guys just being in the national stage, presenting for the world is just something that I look forward to and because it can be done because he's right. What you will do will grow. I promise yep. you. I'm excited. It was
1: right. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you so fun. much for having me, Fonz. It was truly delightful to spend time talking to you and and the questions you ask are really great and really did get me I, I I wrote things down. I mean, I showed you.
0: Well, thank you, Amy. I really appreciate it. And for all our audience members, all of you that joined us, we have Bonnie, we have Elizabeth, we have Amy, we have Melissa, who just joined right now. We have Josh. All of you guys, thank you so much for joining us live in the chat. Yes, thank you. For those of you watching us also as well, thank you so much. Those of you that are going to be listening to the show or catching this later, thank you also as always for your support and making my EdTech life what it is today. Because we do what we do because our mission, our vision, our passion is to connect educators and creators one show at a time and to simply just bring you the best of their stories so you can get inspired and you can continue to grow. And that's what we want. We want our education community to continue to grow and flourish. So thank you guys. Please make sure you check out our website, myedtech.life, myedtech.life. You can find us on all socials at myedtechlife and again just check out our shows and check out all our you know previous episodes and we've got some amazing guests lined up later this week this has been an amazing week we've got back to back to back shows then a saturday show and then next week again we're doing it we're doing it hard and we're bringing <laughs> you the best so i'm excited <laughs> all right guys well thank you so much and as always my friends don't forget until next time stay techie